I always struggle to find the correct adjective uh, to introduce someone to the season of Lent. I don't want to watch them a happy Lent, like a happy Easter. So we'll just say, uh, have a Lent. I hope you have a Lent. So start off with that. And in that spirit, we know kind of like these constant themes of Lent. Um, Going into the desert with Christ for 40 days. Preparing for the passion of Christ. Well, this Lent, we will be doing a homiletic series on a concurrent theme that happens with that, and really the living out of baptism, the living out of our baptism. This happens kind of concurrently, as I've said, because those third, fourth, and fifth Sundays of Lent, we notice that during a certain part of time in Mass, the catechumenates come up. They come up in preparation for their reception of baptism, but they do that publicly to remind us of our baptism. And so, out of all of the different seasons in the church, the season of Lent and the lectionary and the prayers provided for it are chosen most carefully, which is really cool. Because that means that as we go through this year of Lent, that first Sunday we'll be talking about How to avoid temptation as Jesus enters into the desert. Secondly, with the transfiguration every year, how is it that we grow in our desire for holiness and transformation? And then what I'm excited about for this Lent is uh, going through then the woman at the well, how do we, the healing of our memory, with the man born blind, the healing of our imagination, and then with the raising of Lazarus, the healing of our intellects. Because the sacrament of baptism is the sacrament of illumination. Illumination to know and love the divine mysteries of Jesus Christ. So that is what we'll be doing this Lent. And as the sacrament of illumination, though, and going inwardly, all the spiritual writers say that we actually have to start outwardly, start exteriorly. And so today we are given, as we heard in the collect, those three prayers, uh, those three weapons of self-restraint, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And I think we know every Lent the problem that happens in America with prayer, fasting, almsgiving is that, and this is the problem that Jesus warns against, it is the problem of self-seeking. Every Lent, we're excited for Lent because it's time to begin again so that we can improve. The problem with that is that prayer no longer becomes about God. It becomes about thinking about ourselves and improving ourselves all the time. Fasting no longer becomes about fasting and reparation for sins. It becomes about dieting because I feel fat and I want to look good. And then um, almsgiving becomes about just giving to myself in the sense of as long as I do something that I feel good about, I don't care who's on the other end of it, then I feel good about what I'm doing. And so the remedy to this this self-seeking that Jesus says, because he's always saying, be careful because you don't receive your reward now, is, the church says, mortification. The literal translation of that mortification being uh, death to make, to make death or to make die. And there's really two ways, essentially, to make something die. One, you can immediately kill it. This usually doesn't happen during Lent. Um that we just start off really vigorously, we try to kill it, and then by week two, we've kind of fizzled out. 
There's another way to th make things die. If you put a plant in my possession, I will not intentionally kill the plant, but I will neglect it. And then eventually, after two weeks, it will die. And this is the kind of death that we kind of see Jesus talking about a little bit with prayer, fasting, almsgiving, that he tells us how to let these things die. And before we go into the how-to with prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, we have to know that these things are essential, that Jesus assumes that we're doing the things. He just tells us how to do them better. The reason is because prayer, fasting, and almsgiving are the ways that we become, we actually become holy. We as Catholics believe that, yes, while we're messed up, there's still hope and that we can truly become holy. And so prayer purifies my intellect, uh, almsgiving purifies my will, and then fasting purifies my appetites. So with almsgiving, Jesus begins. He says, take care that you be not like the hypocrites who blow a trumpet whenever they give alms. And so what does he say that we do? He says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He's not saying that left-handed people are evil or anything like that. What he is saying is something that is um, very profound and very spiritual. It's got two levels, but we have to understand what left means. In the Latin translation, left, that word is actually sinister. That's the word in Latin for left. It's sinister. Again, not because left people, left-handed people are like, you know, going to hell or anything silly like that, but the fact that you know, while the right hand is usually the strong hand, the left hand is usually the weak hand. It's one that lacks a certain strength. It is evil in that way, we say, or sinister. And so when Jesus says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, he's saying two things. One, don't do things that make you seem holy to those who are less holy. We all know uh, people like that, or we've all been in that position. Well, I would be a better Catholic, but so-and-so is such a holy roller that it turns me off. That's what Jesus is saying in one place. But in the second place, within our own self, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Everywhere that we go, we carry ulterior motives. We are always acting for our own interest as concupiscent sinners in some degree. But he's saying, you know the way that you purify that? It's not to go in and kind of overanalyze what is every single little motive that's that's motivating me to do, do this and then rip it out. No, what he's saying is don't pay attention to those motives. Just don't pay them any mind. Whenever you have those thoughts of doing things out of vanity or out of envy or out of pride or greed, just don't pay attention to them. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That is, just simply do things out of the goodness of your heart. If you can keep that in mind, and St. Peter says this, that charity covers a multitude of sins, that if out of the simplicity and goodness of my heart, I do things out of love, it will cause that left hand to kind of die off, it will cause those motives to die away. And so with almsgiving, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who love to stand and pray in the synagogues and street corners. But when you pray, go to your inner room, close the door and pray to your father in secret. 
What is Jesus saying here? He's saying that we should only have a personal relationship with Jesus and that we should not go to public liturgies. No, he is not saying that. Again, there is a deeper spiritual meaning here. And what the early fathers say about this is that we can easily, when we go to pray, think of the person that we admire most or that we want to win their admiration. But if I go to pray to my father in secret, and he is the only one there, to my father in secret, then he is the only one for whose pleasure I pray. He is the only one for who I try to please out when I go to pray. And so in that way, I kind of create this space where it is me and the Lord, and everyone else's opinions are secondary to that. And so in making a space where it is the Lord's judgment and the Lord's gaze upon me that matters, then that kind of pushes away all of the vanity and the pride and the envy that comes with, and the comparison that comes with this increase in prayer. I go to pray in my Father in secret. That is, I create a space for just me and him whenever I pray, considering his judgment first, and then the judgment of others. Pray to my Father in secret, who will repay me in secret. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. So what is Jesus saying here? St. Thomas Aquinas talks about this possibility of overfasting. And what he means by this is we can fast to the point to where we handicap ourselves into being charitable. Now, that overfasting then can look like in two directions. One, we're the person that says like, you know what, I'm fasting today, you know? We can be like, we'd be like the CrossFit guy of, of Lent, you know? Like everybody knows if you're doing CrossFit, well, you know, people know, right? Um, we do that with Lent, you know? It's like, hey, I'm fasting. Did you know I'm fasting? By the way, I'm fasting, you know? I can't, I can't. And like really what we're doing is we're feasting on how good we are in comparison to others, or at least how we think. The second way, though, is through complaining. Just like, oh, golly, I'm fasting today, you know? It's just hard, whether that's outwardly or inwardly. Do not look gloomy in your appearance. Why does Jesus say that? Because fasting should be a bridge onto charity. The face, why he tells us to anoint our face, is because the face is like the localized place in which we love someone. Whenever we set our eyes upon someone, whenever we smile upon someone, whenever we listen intently to someone, that all happens in the face. Watch your demeanor. Watch your face. That whenever we fast, that becomes a means to join us to charity, right? To join us to our neighbor, rather than something that handicaps us, that I actually get rid of my selfishness to make a gift of myself. And so when we give alms, we do not know what our left hand or what our right hand is doing. When we pray, we pray to our Father in secret. And when we fast, we anoint our face so that we can be joined to Christ who desires to transform us and make us holy through the gift of our baptism.